welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 39, or I guess you could call it episode 38, part 2. For those of you that listened to our previous episode, you'll know that we split this show into two because, well, we jabbered on for way too long to fit it into one. So in this show, we talk more with our co-co-presenter, Greg Dorman of Subaru Rally Team USA, and we discover how he got into rallying and how he got a job with the top rally team in North America. We then discuss some of the happenings from the New England Forest Rally and let our opinions, some of them quite strong, in We Are Talking About You, from WRC Finland. We also delve a bit into America's Rallycross from their Canada event as well. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. I'd like to thank again our friends over at Hammer Sport Racing. That was George Hammerback, uh, Louis May, and John. I missed his last name. Sorry, John. But uh, it was awesome having those guys on the show. And uh, we'll try and catch up with them maybe at the end of the season and uh, see how things are going with the development and that project, the BMW. Of course, they will be, be at Ojibwe. So let's uh, continue on, though. Um, as I said at the top of the show, we have Greg Dorman with us uh, of Subaru Rally Team USA. Greg, I wanted to talk a little bit about you because, uh, you know, we only briefly got to get a bit of an introduction with our ARA live stream that we did. Give us a little bit of your background. How did you get started in rallying, man? It was quite a while ago. I had friends that was uh, looking for a co-driver for his first event in, in Poland. Uh, it was uh, November of 1995, and I barely had my driver's license uh, then probably a couple of days after I received it and I, um, you know, got to co-drive on my first event and got sucked in. Um, we went to, uh, help our, another friend that said was going to school with us and he was part of the Fiat team of, uh, Fiat was helping all the young drivers in Poland, um, with, uh, providing rally cars for them. It was a Fiat Cinquecento, it was Fiat 500. Um, back then, and, and uh, yeah, we are. That's how we started in rallying. Now, rallying in Poland, I, I'd have to expect that's it's, it's quite passionate. The sport there, uh, probably equal to like in in England. Yeah, I was going to ask ask that. Yeah, what's the what is the why are the Polish so passionate about about rally? You see it, you see it at all all events around the world. There are passionate, crazy Polish rally fans at every every event. Yeah, we seem to be be passionate to fans. Not maybe not even about rally, but fans. There's a lot of you know soccer is really popular in Poland, and you know when we stand behind our people, you know we tend to go out to events and bring flags and be passionate about it. Yes, rally is also big uh, in in Poland, but I would say it's big all over Europe pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, you know we do enjoy it and. Although there's very few uh, dirt events, like gravel events in uh, Poland at the moment, I think only two left, then you know, we're still uh, have eight other events in the Polish championship on asphalt. And there's tons of others, uh, sort of regional events that you have to go through to get your license for to race the Polish championship. Wow. So it's, it, it's, so it takes quite a bit to get it, but, uh, but there's a lot of events there. It sounds like, um, you're from Poland, came over to the States. Um, how did you then get involved in rallying stateside? Well, it was actually quite a shock when I first 
got here, you know, I I thought, oh, here we go. I, this is something I was doing and something that I that I really really enjoyed. And when I got here, I was like, oh, well, I don't know the language. I don't know any people around. How do I find the sport? But I was fortunate enough to find a, a group of Polish guys in Brooklyn, New York, where you know they had a couple Audis, they had a couple of Volkswagens, and they were going to these local rallies. And then I was like, oh, great, I'm going to go to one of them. And one of the first events was uh, Maine Forest Rally uh, back then um, mm-hmm. in 1999. And it got got sucked in. You know, I saw Stig Blomqvist in Carl Merrill's Ford Escort. And, you know, I was like, okay, what what do I need to do to get in? Um, you know, and in 2001, I was in the first event, um, a local event at uh, in upstate New York with uh, one of my friends, Piotr Mutekevich, uh, you know, co-driving in the first event. Wow. So uh, that was kind of a way that you kind of got yourself integrated i guess into the local community was through rally yeah absolutely it, it believe it or not it it hugely helped you know to to just meeting these guys and you know back then it was like rally forums and i kind of got connected back through poland back to to new york and i was like oh great where are you guys and there was a shop a body shop uh, in new york in greenpoint where all these guys would meet on Friday night and watch some rally videos on VHS, and yeah, <laughs> it brings up all the good memories. Oh, that is awesome, awesome. Now, you're, of course, up there with, uh, well, I guess a little bit of your, your rally background. I mean, you've been competing uh, since then uh, for several years. We were talking about New England Forest Rally. Now, how many times have you done that specific event? I've done it seven times, and I had to actually look it up. We were talking about it uh, today i've done seven times in um uh, four of them was national and uh, three of them were regional um and uh, one of them was actually in the winter we were able to at that event used to be run um as a national in the summer and as a regional in the winter so i was able to do both you you come over from poland 1999, you enter, uh, you, you start, you spectate your first uh, rally out here, get involved in the community, start doing uh, co-driving um, for, for some events, then you get somehow involved with Subaru Rally Team USA. Now, now that's got to be a story on how that happened. <laughs> so uh, 2009 and, and uh, then 2012, I was a championship runner-up for co-drivers in the super production class. Um, once with Piotr Viktorczyk uh, and then uh, once uh, with Evan Klein, uh, both times with in Subarus. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just looking at it today. I think the last time I was in other car than a, a Subaru in a national event was 2006. So it was a long history, 80 events later, you know, here I am. But uh, four years ago, I was, um, you know, doing my kind of like uh, hobby uh, side job thing with uh, photography. I went to uh, Troy Revere for uh, to photograph the uh, World Championship in Rallycross, mm-hmm. and I got an email from Christian Dell, who is the the marketing director and vice president of Vermont Sports Car, and he's like, hey, you know, let's talk about it. You know, what you can do, maybe you can joined the team, and they were looking for somebody to go with the team to, to Ojibwe. 
Thank couple you. Of, couple of weeks later, I was in Ojibwe with the team at my very first event, and that was four years ago. And uh, now your official title is, it's not its not just like photographer, you do a lot more stuff than that. <laughs> yeah, I try to try to do everything that, that's needed, really. That's um, awesome. I have a passion for the sport, obviously, and, and I have a, you know, a very admired John Buffum, who is our team manager, you know, at his age, he's, you know, on top of everything and running around and, and getting stuff done. And sometimes I kind of like tend to jump in and help him out. And I'm sure he, he appreciates it, uh, you know, a lot of times too. But my main thing is social media, PR, uh, you know, kind of marketing side, and also helping our, our uh, drivers and navigators to make sure that they have everything they need, that they are prepared to their, to their maximum. But, you know, for example, uh, I would go out there in the middle of recce and meet them and bring them, you know, lunch or, you know, oh, I see. just in case. Just make something everything happens. more efficient. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, the less that the, the driver and co-driver have to think about during the event, the better, the clearer their mind is, and, and then the better results are. But, of course, with your background in, uh, in co-driving and whatnot, you had a surprise last year after Robbie got hurt. And... You you ended up uh, sitting next to what ended up being our uh, the ARA's first champion. Yeah, I tell you, you know, I never ever thought driving up to the event and hearing that Robbie has been injured and I was still you know on the way to the event. Um, I never thought that there was a chance. You know, we were joking around about it in the car, but you know, never really thought that, uh, you know, that is a chance. And, uh, you know, I was having dinner at uh, the brewery down at the bottom of Sunday River and, you know, got a call from actually Craig Drew that said, hey, you know, where are you? We need you in the lobby of the hotel. We have to discuss something. And, you know, when I walked through the door, <laughs> Travis Pastrana handed me the suit and that was it. <laughs> 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 that's so, brilliant. Uh, yeah, oh, it brilliant. Was, took a little time to decipher Robbie's uh, notes. <laughs> um, I spent some time with him in the restaurant. He was uh, he was hurting, but he was able to guide me through some of his notes. And let me tell you, I didn't get much sleep that night. Uh, you know, it was uh, a lot of a lot of uh, excitement. Well, this is a, the story you're going to dine out for uh, for a long, long time, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and all the, you know, I tell you, all the pictures started coming up, you know, from a year ago, here happened this and all that. And it brings up all the all the memories from that time when I had to turn off the phone, you know, the minute I stepped out, you know, from my hotel room on that morning, just because I knew that, you know, my mind has to be so clear because I knew I have to be on top of my game to get Travis to the finish. I never thought that you know we had a chance of winning the rally um you know the the plan was to get travis to the finish so you know i i want to ask though i mean you guys when you did your first stage uh, competitive stage together that time wasn't very far off yeah and 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 you know i remember like today you know the the two mistakes that i made that caused travis to go a little bit wide on um my call being late and Travis going a little wide on the road. And then we get to the finish and we just, you know, a couple of seconds off. I'm like, okay, if I can get my stuff together, I can 
I can do this. And uh, by the third stage of the day, we knew that that we, that we are we can do it and we can be as fast as David and Craig. As a matter of fact, on the third stage of the rally, it was a longer stage. I believe it was 14 miles or 16 mile stage. And Travis at the start said, "Okay, if we're going to do it. We're going to do it right on the stage." So we we're on top of the game. About three quarters of the stage in, we lost the power steering, but we were able to pull the data from both cars, uh, David's and Travis's, and compare the times. And at the time that our power steering went off, we were second, seven seconds faster than David. Seven <laughs> seconds. Man, that's <laughs> you must have been just amped. I I I, I can't imagine just like <laughs> eyes bulging out of your head, full of adrenaline. It was, it brought up a lot of good memories from 2009, where where we were working really hard to kind of cut off everything that happens around you when you sit in a rally car and focus only what's in front of you, the book. And the road, and that's it. You know, it's it's really hard because sometimes you catch yourself inside the rally car when you're running, especially a longer stage where your brain's getting tired, that your mind kind of runs away. Oh and yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's where you make mistakes. That's where you late on a call, and you know, when you're at that speed, you know, it, that stuff can happen. Uh, I've made a note of this one: the book and the road. I'm I'm going to keep that one ingrained in my memory for for ojibwe as well so the book and the That's road good. Just, put a little, <laughs> just put a little gd next to it yeah there, there you go maybe, <laughs> maybe we should get some t-shirts printed sounds good to me i like, it. <laughs> I like that i like that it'd be uh the, the shirt would look like an open book with like the inside the the book it'd be like pavement you know it would look like a road right there yeah, you go. yeah book in the road we got the idea going <laughs> Start a trend. Well, that that was an awesome, awesome uh, experience uh, from me just following from the outside. Uh, I I can only imagine what it was like on the inside, but obviously you you, you relive it uh, when uh, the pictures start showing and stuff. That's awesome. I, I, I watched that launch control a million, million times, so a lot of those views are mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I, I would... I would totally want to re-experience that as well. Um, that what a, what a crazy event. Um, obviously, that can't happen again now with the uh, switching of co-drivers. Um, well, I guess you could do it for seat time, but you wouldn't get uh, any points uh, if it happened again. But still, that was that was a cool experience, and the 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 way that you were able to quickly adapt. I just that was cool. That was just so many kinds of cool. And, Certainly uh, an amazing experience, and on the tough event too, you know, because you know, I know that you want to talk about New England Forest Rally and about some roads that are there, you yeah. know, especially the roads that are on uh, Saturday, they can really get you. And um, so the notes that you wrote about the the show and what you want to talk about, and 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 the rocks which you are coming up the road, and especially when you're doing recce. And you're on regular speed, and you're like, "Oh wow, how are we gonna go through this? This like orange on top of orange on top of orange." Because the the crews that are going through the stages at the New England Forest Rally before the recce, they spray paint this bright orange on these big rocks that are sticking out of the ground. But then, when you're at the car, when you're at speed, you tend to kind of focus on that rock that's sticking out of the road rather than looking forward ahead. And that's kind of distracting, in my opinion. 
to the drivers. But yeah, sometimes you get a lot of flats. Sometimes, that's why I'm, I was impressed with the guys that you were talking to at the BMW um, with a Hammer Racing, Hammer Sport Racing. Um, they they only got a one flat, and really it was cost by their off rather than you know on the stage. So stuff roads. They're a lot uh, nicer now than they were back in the years. Um, obviously, Conquer Pond is you know a spectacular stage and probably one of the best ones in the U.S. So these um, painted rocks, then, are these the baby heads that uh, people have been t- telling me about? They're big babies, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Small children sometimes, not just yeah. babies. Yeah, um, that, that, that's a term I've heard uh, several times from the area is that uh, some of the local guys, they do call them baby heads because it, it, it's these domed, you know, rocks that are, it, it's like the road is growing rocks. It, they just kind of jet up, but they're not necessarily sharp edged ones, right? They're, they're kind of a little more rounded, but they are plentiful. And like you said, uh, Greg, there is on, you know, you'll be on recce or, or, or if you're going at speed, it's probably just a blur of orange sometimes because there's so many of those things. And it makes me wonder with a guy, with somebody that's running, let's say, a limited two-wheel drive or, um, you know, something that's definitely more production-based, uh, like those guys from Hammersport, um, do, you, do you try and dodge every one of those things? Or are you just like, you just put in the notes like, well, here's the best line, and I know I'm going to hit X many of them, which is fewer than if I went this line, but, oh, man. it It's so tough, and, you know, it, it it's it's really tough to tell sometimes because sometimes it's easier or, or better to just go at them at speed and, and, you know, you hit them, you hit them, uh, especially with a rally tire that can take a lot more than a street tire. Right. But sometimes in the suspension, like, you know, I, I guess these guys were, uh, they're using OEM suspension. It's really tough when you're really hit one, then <laughs> even your back is going to feel it. Right, right. Well, and I guess that's one of the things, uh, you know, for this event, Travis was saying that, uh, you know, they got to a section where uh, the car was just dancing as it was going along. And uh, I'm guessing that's kind of just going from one of those orange painted rocks to another, just kind of bouncing along them, uh, just kind of floating along. But of course, you know, the suspension that SRT USA runs is, well, there is no match for that, right? I mean, it's the top end (laughs) stuff. Yeah, well, uh, you know, whatever uh, Barry McKenna runs, and I'm not sure what suspension is on his Fiesta. Um, you know, obviously we saw him on a jump, and <laughs> that suspension can take a lot. And, and the landing was pretty spectacular, and, and, and the car looked, you know, beautiful. The, the suspension travel is, is what's really, really working for these guys, for us, for our cars, for supercars, and, you know, for Barry. Um you know, but then you got, you know, guys like Jeff Seahorn and, you know, he, his suspension is also, you know, upgraded and also, you know, a, a good quality, but the mm-hmm. travel is, is a lot less. And that's where, you know, the huge difference comes in. Um, and I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess we want to talk just real quick about that jump. Uh, you were there with me and uh, there are a couple of exciting moments <laughs> from that one. I <laughs> I don't think either of us, I mean, we we saw Barry jump last year and it was pretty big. I don't think any of us had an idea what he was going to do this year. That, that almost scared me. Yeah. When you're standing on the side of the road and you know, we weren't really that close to the road and, and you see this car take off and you're seeing entire underbody of the car pretty much almost over your head. 
then it's like, wow, that was pretty spectacular. That was like Finland-like. Yeah, it, it, was, it was seriously Finland-like. And, and that's what they say about Conquered Pond, right? It is the most Finnish-like uh, stage out there with it having constant crests and turns. Um, well, crests in a turn, <laughs> which makes it kind of have that kind of look and feel uh, to something like that. But it's not that long of a road. Uh, Conquered Pond's what, like six miles maybe five uh yeah just about five yeah four i think the stage is 4.8 or somewhere around there but uh yeah it's just a lot of a lot of jumps and the stage used to have even more jumps back in the day they kind of been shaved off over the years some of the jumps um you know a, a lot of guys like you know the name for some of the guys that are listening chris Duplessy knows oh, yes. this road very very well he used to live not too far from there and, you know, then he probably didn't even need a co-driver on this road. And some of the jumps that he was taking in his R2 Fiesta uh, on that road were pretty, pretty spectacular, what he could have done on that, in that little car. Um, it, it, speaking of two-wheel drive cars on that jump, uh, one that was really spectacular also to see because he had quite the moment was uh, that uh, Lexus, um, which is also a unique car, uh, the Lexus IS350 that uh, Michael Hooper uh has and so he's running that in open two-wheel drive rear-wheel drive car out there boy he had a bit of a, a moment when he went over the first time yeah sort of uh ditch hooking the the other way <laughs> you know he definitely touched touched the edge of the road there and uh you know when i think about him and his car i find a match it to the guys that you were just talking to the bmw it's rare car and, uh, you know, the way that he, you know, drives it and the way that he handles it, it's, it's really, really spectacular. I, I, for his, you know, not long of an experience in a rally car, from what I know, um, you know, he's doing very, very good. Yeah. Alexis. Alexis. Wait a minute. It is Alexis. Alexis. Yep. Okay. I guess you can rally absolutely anything you like then, can't you? I guess we just got to wait for a, okay, I guess we just got to wait for a Rolls Royce to get out there now. You learn stuff every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I guess it's all just putting the time and effort into building it out to something that can be competitive. Uh, when we talked to Michael Hooper, actually, he was saying that uh, he got underneath one of these. Um, I, I guess he does uh, a lot with Toyotas, and uh, he got underneath and looked at how the. Uh, the multi-link suspension on the rear of it was or whatever. And he said, wow, this looks strong and would work well for rally. So that's why he ended up with one of those. So, all right, cool. <laughs> uh, impressive to have uh, something different out there. And he comes all the way up from Tennessee, I think. So uh, another long haul competitor and uh, great to see him out there. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, unique stuff out there. Actually, one thing that I hadn't seen in a long time at a rally, um, uh, we have some even older versions uh, way out here out west, but uh, we had uh, Pascal Belperin um, of uh, Team O'Neill. He actually got to rally for once instead of crew chief. Um, he was out there in a Saab 900. Now, Saabs, those used to rally all over the place all the time, didn't they, Greg? Yeah, um, not as many in Poland, um... But uh, Scandinavia has tons of them, and um, it's it was great to see to see Pascal in, in the in the car. I know that he ran um, uh, Mount Washington um, two years ago, 
I think where it was. Uh, um, was it last year, 2017. It was last year. Mount yes, Washington correct. Rock Climb. Yeah, yeah. Correct. And I, I'm not sure if it was the same car, but he, you know, he he enjoys being in the car. I know that he does some uh, little events at uh, the rally sprints at the Team O'Neill Rally School. There's always uh, something going on there. So glad to see him in a in a real rally and glad to see him enjoying uh, being behind the wheel. Anybody who rallies a Saab is okay in my books. Doesn't matter if it's a 900. Uh, I prefer I prefer older, of course, but anybody in a Saab is good in my books. Well, I hear, hear. Uh, we like seeing the classics out there for sure. Uh, one of the other classics we saw is that um, a, a, a proper uh, Ford Escort RS 1800, um, Frank Cunningham. He's uh, one of the guys that's from Ireland. And um, I guess he was encouraged to come out here. I think he's uh, friends with Seamus Burke. And... Um, you know, he competes normally in Ireland, and he had the car shipped over here to the States. Uh, he was out at uh, STPR as well, and I got to talking with him, and he says he plans on doing the entire championship in 2019. He really likes rallying here in the States, uh-huh. so the Escort RS1800 will stay here awesome. and compete more. So uh-huh. um, he didn't have a good day on Saturday, the final day. He had uh, some issues, and... Uh, didn't want to chat with us at uh, we, we were uh, get, as everybody was kind of getting ready to pull into the service. Uh, he wasn't really up for chatting, so um, hopefully we'll see it Ojibwe. Uh, if not, uh, like I said, we'll see it definitely the whole championship next year, which is really cool. So more classic cars from Europe being here in the states. I'm a fan. Yeah, it's 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 great to see. I hope that um, Joe Burke uh, joins Seamus and and uh, Frank here and and kind of travels with them around the country and does his uh, full championship as well. Oh, that's right, Joseph Burke. That's right. He's uh, boy, he's quick. Um, doesn't he have a, uh, a, a an Evo beast of a machine that he's been working on? Yeah, and I believe he competed in a couple of events uh, this year, and I think he did. One uh, down south with Claudia pulling as a co-driver, and I, I'm not sure if he did um, one in Missouri, but uh, yeah. That, speaking of long travel suspension, and that car has a pretty substantial uh, drop on their suspension. Uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention uh, that we saw out there uh, of folks just kind of uh, we were looking around, and of all things, we ran into Savage Dave Wallingford um, after his accident and whatnot. Uh, we haven't seen him. <laughs> He's been recovering and whatnot, and he was uh, out there uh, observing, and he actually got to do a bit of a test out at uh, Team O'Neill to see uh, how things were going as he recovers with his back injury, and actually went a lot better than he thought, which is really good news. Yeah, I, I saw him briefly at um, after the event, at the, after the champagne spray, and you know, shook his hand and glad really really glad to see him you know back on his feet and 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 recovering um that's it's really awesome yeah absolutely yeah it was good to see him good good to see him back at events taking in the atmosphere and hopefully he's missing it a lot uh, if you follow his uh, Facebook feeds, yep. he's painfully missing it uh, <laughs> he couldn't keep away he wanted to be competing so bad but just being there though was really cool and and really he enjoyed yeah you're right the atmosphere and whatnot um he wants to be in a car bad so moving on with the other stuff with this rally obviously the big news from the new england forest rally was unfortunately the loss of the kazi 
Um, Ken Block, we were excited to see him out there. Unfortunately, his first run over the jump was kind of not very exciting, but the second jump he did was pretty cool. But then they get out there to the rough stages, and, and, and maybe, Greg, you can tell us about that uh, loop of stages. You do, was it South Arm first, and then you double back and do Icicle Brook, is that right? Correct. It's a dead-end stage, so it's a turnaround stage. You do the, the South Arm, you go in, and then you turn around, you wait pretty much hour and a half till everybody is done with the stage, and then and then you head back. The only difference in the way back and how it was run this year is there's a kind of a loop of a two-track rough uh, part of the stage and really not enjoyable for, especially for co-drivers. It's really tight. It's twisty. It's uh, not a lot of speed. Um, so once you get there, it's probably about, you know, I'm going to say four and a half, five miles. And once you get out of that, it's kind of like you're feeling like almost on the highway. It's the three wide, um, three cars wide, stage after that and yeah it's very 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 tough loss i mean i have to say every pretty much every mechanic on our team every team member from from the subaru team was was devastated once we heard the news because you know even though we're competing against each other and you know it, you know it was tough battles along the years we really enjoyed that car you know, uh, we're looking at it at the stage, looking at it at the park expos, and it was really, really tough to see, uh, you know, losing it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess uh, for those that don't know, it was kind of a mechanical problem that instigated the whole situation, right? It was, uh, from, from what I recall, the uh, the sequential gearbox wasn't shifting when he move the lever yeah I, I think if you if you decide they suck the video um there is a moment probably about a second or so where before he hits a rock where the car actually goes in neutral and i believe that the, oh, wow. the, the the force that was carrying through the turn got him closer to that rock and that's why he clipped it um that's what it seems like to me from just, you know, watching the video over and over yeah. again. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's really tough, really tough. Uh, now, have you ever been in a car that's had a fire before, even just a minor one? Yes. Um, 2010, um, uh, 100 Acre Raleigh. It was the first real stage of the event in about three and a half miles in, um, you know, we just got a, a turbo blown out and it, it sprayed oil all over the engine bay. Um, deployed uh, three fire, fire extinguishers on it and the fire was still going. Um, I stopped uh, rain, uh, Nate Conley. It was a, a, a couple, a, a husband and wife uh, driving a yellow bug-eye Subaru uh, station wagon. And I stopped them on the stage and I grabbed the fire extinguisher from um, their car and it was, was able to extinguish the fire. But it was really close. So I can understand what Ken and Alex were feeling, uh, you know, and having memories of Nick's car, Nick uh, Roberts's car, mm -hmm. just from a couple of years ago in Morgan. You know, it, yeah, sometimes it's just tough. And once the fire gets going, everything is so hard from going on the stage and it's really, really tough to put it out. Well, I figured that in four years, I've witnessed 
four different cars completely burned down to the ground. Really, three of those were in the last year and a half. The first one in that group was uh, Nick Roberts. Um, he was just down the stage from where I was volunteering uh, for Oregon Trail. Then uh, we had Chris Sear last year at STPR. Yep. He got he was competing, and his Fiesta um, that he was running in, that cooked to the ground. Um, then it was at, also at Oregon Trail. We had uh, Tino Fortunato's car. That burned down to the ground this year. And then we had the Kazi. So I, I don't know if it's just bad luck. Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, you you always have this. I mean, you're dealing with the race car that's dealing with fuel and oil, and there's oil from suspension that can get on hot brakes. There's you know all kinds of things that can happen. I mean, it, I guess not too unusual, but I, do you think there's any way they can really prevent these fires, or is it more about management? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I haven't been close to Tino's fire or, 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 um, or the Fiesta fire, but, uh, you know, judging from Nick's perspective on, on Nick's Roberts's car, I don't think there was anything that they could have done it, um, to save that car. Absolutely. You know, that was just a kind of a, almost a freak accident from, you know, the puncturing the gas tank on it. Um, as far as Ken's car, I, you know, it it really depends. You would have to have a fire almost investigator to see what happened exactly under the engine bay that it really exploded to a fire like that. I don't personally. I don't think that that any of these fires could have been avoided. Really, of, yeah. of what you know, how the rules are and how what we are dealing with. I mean, even I mean, in the case of Ken's car, I mean. Sure, he's he's got a fuel cell. I mean that things, but it wasn't the fuel cell that went. This was under the hood that uh, that really kind of started it all. So, uh, yeah, well, once it gets going and you got high pressure fuel lines and things like that, it's it, unless you can get it out in a hurry. I guess that's the key. Uh, but they used to have, uh, I know in the WRC or whatever, they used to have like Halon, which is evil stuff. It'll put out a fire. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but the stuff is super caustic. It is, uh, it is bad, bad news chemicals. Um, so we don't use stuff like that anymore. From uh, what I understand, it 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 kind of uh, kills the oxygen in the air, right? Yeah, yeah. And so what we don't want to carry fire extinguishers like that in the car, just in case if you puncture from underneath the car or in any other way, and you puncture through that fire extinguisher. You know, that crew is pretty much out of luck. Yeah, it's going to take all their oxygen away. Not so good. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't want that to happen either. Exactly. So, yeah, it just makes us wonder, those like, gosh, you know, it seems like we've seen a frequency of these. But, uh, again, uh, part of this is we see it more easily now with social media being able to spread this stuff. And, and it could be just some just bad luck, you know. Uh, but, you know, I think if there is one thing that I would say is we are rallying at forests, and that's a concern. The car isn't as much of a concern, to be honest. Obviously, we want to get enough time that the the competitors get out safely. That's the number one thing. Number one is safety. But number two would probably be protecting the areas that we're competing in, or we don't get to compete there again. The fact that these fire trucks came in and were able to use a foam to get uh, the fire put out from Ken's car, even though it's already burnt to the ground, uh, makes me think that wonder if we should have maybe the sweep crew keep some sort of like uh, foam type stuff that they could deploy 
in that type of, you know, if it's that bad, right? Um, maybe they could have a, uh, a foam extinguisher of some sort, uh, maybe at the, at the back of the field when they're called in, can pre prevent maybe forest and other stuff from catching fire or something like that. That's kind of the only bit of advice I could come up with. But yeah, I don't know if there's really anything that you can do for prevention. Yeah, it's a, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I've been there. I've, I've worked hard on, on putting the fire out with the extinguishers that we've had on, on board. And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's not enough, you know, even if you're doing a good job. What about you, Ian? You've uh, ever had to deal with a fire? Not yet. No, luckily, no. But, uh, I mean, I worked in an industry where Halon was the, uh, was the standard firefighting firefighting material and yeah i know how dangerous it is and uh and it's but there does not seem other than other than a foam there doesn't really seem to be any any really good alternative you know halon it does what it does so well because it removes the the oxygen from the fire and if the, the uh, fire doesn't have any oxygen it can't burn and there's no there isn't any there isn't any other substance quite like that. I mean, a foam smothers the fire, and mm -hmm. that way blocks the ox blocks any uh, any, comb any combustion. But uh, yeah, there's nothing quite like Halon, even though it's as bad as it is. Yeah, sucks to lose the Kazi for sure. But the rally did go on. Uh, folks had a little bit of a tough time, I think, transiting out. From what I remember hearing, uh, they uh, I, I, th there's no cell signal there, so they're and the notes they all had was for going back down the original stage route, um, which was closed because of the fire. So I guess they had to go out an alternate logging road to get back out to the main highway. And some people got it right. Some people got it wrong. And those that got it wrong arrived at service very late in the evening, unfortunately. Uh, that, that's kind of frustrating for those folks. But uh, the only uh, the only other big thing I think I would say that came out of New England uh, as far as, you know, until we get to kind of results here was dust issues. Um, the top guys got a bigger dust window to start out with. And those farther back still had just one minute windows, I believe. And it was dust hanging in the air. There was just no wind. With a field of 50 plus cars... I, you know, you got volunteers that are going to be out there for forever if you keep extending those windows, huh? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, it's like you've got to give everybody a fair crack at the a crack at the whip for a uh, for a clear road. But I mean, it's it's the it's the same sort of thing as uh, in Finland on on the uh, the first day in Finland. We'll talk about Finland in a bit. But uh, there was a lot of hanging dust on early stages there, and it was totally weird. You know, because you would be driving along and you'd get to a, shel a sheltered part surrounded by trees and the dust would just stick there whereas you could go around the corner and there would be a clearing and the dust was gone so yeah you really get it's difficult to know what to do in that that state so uh, you've got to give everybody a fair crack but is a, a three minute dust window going to be enough you know i've been in uh, been in situations in the forest in 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 minnesota here you know and you you've had a two minute dust window and it's just not enough you need three then you wonder what would three minutes be enough so so it's a very awkward thing if you don't have wind uh you know sometimes three minutes well it's not going to help you either. yeah you know it's it's only that first guy on the road is going to 
it's gonna have a clear clear fresh air yeah three minutes three hours you know <laughs> i guess if it's gonna if it's just gonna hang there it's just gonna hang there i mean i yeah uh you know the one i th- think i felt probably the felt the worst for was probably for sam albert because he was the first of the cars with the shorter window behind seahorn and he's competing for a championship against him mm-hmm. and that's got to be frustrating because how are you supposed to make up the time to someone you're competing against for a championship when he's got an advantage that you don't Okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. What, 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 what can you say? I mean, it is like I say, it's, it's tough. It's difficult. You know, it's, uh, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be fair at all for everyone. So, and you've just got to, you've got, you've got, you've got to think that there are other people there. You know, if you've got what you say, you had fifty, fifty cars at New England. I mean, fifty cars at a three-minute window. That's you know that's what fifty that's one hundred and fifty minutes. That's that's like two and a half hours to get all all the cars through the stage. And if you're saying that one stage there was like out and back, your um, South Arm and Icicle Brook. I mean, the cars would go down. The first cars would go down there and wait two and a half hours plus before they had to turn around and come back. So, yeah, I don't know what the um what the right way to go about something like that is, but I guess we never will. That's rally, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess what I was say is it's by speed factor, right? Um, if I remember correctly, the reason why the those dust winds are given for anybody over a certain speed factor, I think it's what is the eighty or something like that, and I think that Sam Alberts is kind of below that still. And the thing is, I keep thinking, it's like, well, how does he ever get above that speed factor if he's got this thing that keeps holding him back from that? I don't know. Um, of course, I don't know all the maths that go into the speed factors because uh, I'm sure there's some sort of convoluted thing in there that has to do with not only fin- finishing position but uh, you know finishing of stage times and things like that. So only a thing for co-drivers. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all good at all the math stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just so good to see Sam and 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 Michelle, you know, doing the full championship in a third fish car. Um, we need more and more competitors like him, like Jeff, um, like uh, Travis Nees, um, you know, to, to to get these privateers going against each other and and, and creating that you know fight. Um, you know, I, I'll go back again to when I was doing the full championship in 2009, where we were had you know five, six, seven. SP super production cars back then that any one of us could win the event and to a point where we were making bets and who's going to win the next stage and that's awesome yeah it was it was really good I'm I'm all for more of that that's for sure um I yeah you're right there's there's not enough people in that class yet I think I think there's more people uh, hopefully coming and uh you know well heck uh, those Hammersport guys want to get there at some point so more power to them. Let's do it. A great class of cars, a lot of good uh, competition. You know, starting to to get up there. Um, it's it's a new car to Sam and the team. Uh, it, it runs a little bit different. I remember how much he had to adapt to it. Uh, his driving style had to change because of the way the motor works better at higher RPM and uh, you know adjusting the the engine cuts for the sequential gearbox, which was new to him and stuff like that. So. 
definitely some, some new things for him to get used to. And in the same, uh, I guess, somewhat in the same thing as Jeff Seahorn, he actually had a sequential gearbox himself for the first time uh, for this event. So he did an upgrade to his car, and it did a little bit of lightning. By I think the uh, windows are now no longer glass. I think they're Alexan or something like that. So bits of uh, improvements going on with those cars that uh, still meet within the requirements. Uh, with that limited four-wheel drive podium, you know, obviously Jeff Seahorn, Karen Jankowski, amazing result again. Right up there at winning the class, but not without a little bit of a challenge. They actually had a starter issue where they had to keep the engine running. It, it, it's not always easy for those guys, is it? P-O-R, price on regardless. Hey, that's yeah. it, yep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, he was telling me that he was using an old trick of, uh, I think it was uh, using the old screwdriver across the starter to battery or whatever it was to get it going. So uh, there, there was something going on that just uh, wasn't quite working right. And, um, but, you know, he made it to the end. Uh, they made it to the top of the podium for their class. Uh, Travis Neese and, uh, wow, what can you say? He, he says it himself. He's the broken record. He plays it safe. <laughs> he drives within his limits. But look at that. Second on the podium again in class. That consistency pays off, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, and with the Subaru contingency, if you if you're planning to do the full championship and you travel around the country to do all these events, and, you know, Subaru contingency is what you're, you know, almost like expect, right? So if you're running um, consistent event and you're bringing these results in it adds up at the end of a season to get that contingency from Subaru. Yeah, the contingency is a huge thing for sure, and uh, we're, we're very happy to see it, um, and uh, we hope to see more and more uh, vehicles that will be a part of it uh, because it, we'd love to see more manufacturers do it. I know there's a little bit of funds that uh, Ford is doing with Ford Performance. Heck, I think there's still... Uh, well, obviously, there's all the, con the contingency stuff with all the tires, mm -hmm. and those add up. So yeah. you got, what, Maxxis tires, Cooper tires, and mm. Hoosier tires are all involved now. So, yeah, I mean, every little bit, of course, helps uh, when it comes to uh, competing in a full season. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll wait for the Lexus contingency. Right. See if uh, Toyota has something. You know, I tell you, I, I try every year, and I write to, to Chris Yandel in, in December, in January. I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, maybe this year, maybe BRZ? How about that? And, you know, we haven't got through that yet, but we're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Get uh, get the beer, get a BRZ out there. That's, um, you know, that's awesome to see uh, um, Claudia Poland and Eric Potts. Uh, Eric's been really consistent in that car. I know he's had a few niggling issues here and there, but, boy, he supercharged that thing, and it ain't slow. Um, it's definitely and fun to see that car. And not a rookie in a championship doing a full championship. And I'm, you know, looking forward to see what he does at Ojibwe. He still has to think about the bigger picture, which is the full championship. But, you know, he's, he's getting better acclimated with the car. And as you said, the supercharger now, he, he's done well in, in the, at New England, which is his home rally. Uh, great job so far this year. But... You have to really give it to Seamus Burke. <laughs> um, wow, the uh, the Escort Mustang-engined car, uh, that put on one hell of a performance at New England. 
Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, just even looking at just the jump that we were at at Concapond, you know, you can tell like they were on it. Uh, Martin and, and uh, Seamus been they've been working together for uh, quite a while back in the Evo and now in the in the escort. Uh, the car is built really well. They went through you know the learning curves last year. Now it seems like they have it all figured out. You know, overall podium at STPR, fourth overall here, both wins in the classes. Amazing. Yeah, they're 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 quite the team. Um, I, I yeah, I'm hoping to see them do uh, more and more. I know they mostly just do the East Coast events, but it'd be great to see them maybe do an entire championship at some point because they've obviously got the pace to do it uh, in that open two wheel drive class. But um, uh, speaking of the two wheel drives, uh, touching on the the limited two wheel drive and uh, and the others that were in the open two wheel drive, um, it, it was actually kind of interesting to see that. Uh, Jordan Guitar, um, him and, uh, uh, gosh, was it, uh, William Jang were in the little Maxxis tires, HPD Honda Civic. They were actually the third fastest of all the two-wheel drive cars that entered in national anyway. Here they are, just a mostly stock little Civic, and they always finish so well. They're, they're the, it's like Travis Neese, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a two-wheel drive car, but Jordan's actually got a little bit more experience, I think, out on some of those stages. He's been competing with that HPD team for a long time. Consistency, consistency is the key. Um, you know, it, I'm glad to see that you know the Honda HPD team is is still pushing and still bringing some other new cars and still putting some other different drivers in the car. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, because it was uh, Robinson that uh, used to run, the, I think, the car um, a couple years ago. And it's been uh, – and, and Jordan, I believe, was his co-driver, right? And so now yeah, it's and, Jordan that's and, been competing. And, and you know, they, sometimes they, they bring guest drivers. And I believe it was last year at New England where we had accurate team drivers um, from uh, their road racing track. So – you know, driving the rally. So, uh, right, really, was a couple really years good. ago. Yeah, back with yeah. Rally America, they had their, uh, their their star car. They were doing that little Honda Fit, and actually, yeah. that was something uh, that was a perfect segue for me because I went to the um, Rose Cup races here in Portland, where they uh, featured the Pirelli World Challenge. And one of those, um, yes, Acura drivers is Ryan Eversley. And I don't know if any of you have ever listened to a show called Dinner with Racers. It's a great, great podcast. Um, it, it's very highly entertaining where they talk about all kinds of people in the racing world. Uh, not always just talking about racing, but all kinds of interesting things. Well, Ryan Eversley is one of the guys on that show, and he's a professional race driver uh, with, um, oh, what is their uh, race team called now? I'm going to lose it. Uh, but they drive the Acura cars. He's, he's a factory Honda Acura driver. He races the um, TCR class of the Civic Type R. Um, real-time racing? Real-time racing. Thank you. Gosh, I feel like an idiot for forgetting that. But I ran into him at Portland, and I had to run up to him, and I said, hey, I know you got an experience in a rally car. Uh, would you ever like to do that again? And he's like, that is the most fun I've had behind the wheel of a car in so long. He's like, I, he, he honestly was saying like, I'm kind of done with the circuit stuff. I've been doing this for so long. That is what I want to do. I want to do rally. If Honda would build me a car, you know, and, and, and to drive, I'd be all over it in a heartbeat. So 
I don't know what we need to do to get this to happen, but we want Ryan Eversley in in rally racing. It would be mega. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. And, you know, it's, the connection here, what I remember real time racing, um, uh, David Higgins' number one mechanic, uh, Sean Jacobs, works now for real time racing and works on the Acura cars. Oh, well, that's really cool. What a small world. You know, the racing community, you know, it seems kind of shrink. There's always these little connections uh, of different people there. So uh, that's that's awesome. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, great job by uh, Jordan Guitar, HPD, Honda Performance Development. Build another rally car and uh, bring Ryan Eversley over. That would be just great. Uh, in the other uh, part of the podium um, with the uh, two-wheel drive, we had... Um, Lucy Block and Krista Skukas uh, were third on the podium. It was cool to see Lucy and, and Krista there. Um, you know, Ken stuck around because, instead of uh, leaving early because uh, his wife ended up uh, on the podium. So that's her second podium after podiuming over here at Oregon Trail. So love to see the husband-wife team out there both competing. I mean, yeah, it's the Blocks, but they're still a family. They love rallying and uh, spreading that passion, so it's just really cool. I'm going to kind of move on down here to uh, kind of the last little bits. Uh, you were mentioning McKenna. Probably, wow, I, I think he's right there. I think he can bring it to the Subaru guys. He was, he won almost every stage on Saturday, Greg. Are, are the Subaru guys starting to get a little concerned now? Um, maybe not concerned, but, you know, we... we always knew that that barry is there um we almost like almost laughing at, at david here because david um uh, gave lessons to barry just about two years ago um you know in 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 england and now now we were saying like hey man you're just like taught him a little bit too much uh, <laughs> um but no he's doing great and and you know what we're we're welcome his uh, his performance with open arms because that's what makes it more interesting for even for for our team and for competition and for the series as well um it's it's great and i hope that his luck kind of turns around and and he gets more podiums and you know, maybe you have top of the podium somewhere out there. Yeah, uh, like I said, he, he definitely had the pace for this one. Um, we all know it takes time and experience at these roads and, uh, well, and, and seat time. And boys are getting a lot of it because he's still leading the Irish Forest Rally. He won another event there, I think, just like a week ago or something. And so he's definitely putting the time in. A little bit different car. He's running an R5 over there, but it's not worldly, you know, a huge amount of difference and that you can still translate that stuff into what he'd be competing with here. So, uh, wow. Yeah. It, it should be getting just that much more exciting, which is awesome. Um, but he had that brake disc, uh, explosion, <laughs> I guess it, his brakes failed basically. And, uh, ended up uh, having to come to service early on state after stage three, uh, super rallied ended up, uh, not on the podium, but you know, <laughs> those guys they do put in the work and it's great to see them out there and it's great to see them stick around and and compete the rest of the event um i'm, I'm glad we've got super rally back uh what's your are you a fan of super rally greg um yes i mean i think there's enough uh penalties that you get from super rally that you know prevent someone you know like Barry or David you know, or Travis to, you know, even though they miss a couple of stages and they, you know, get back through like day two and, and get back on a podium. Um, David has done it, but the, the 
rules were a little bit different. Um, I think it's it's pretty good right now with the with the penalties that you get. And yeah, I'm 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 a fan just because you will see and the fans get to see the car on the second day of the rally. Yeah, that that's it. That's the that's the that's the thing, isn't it? It's like these the the fans come out to see the big names, and if they're off in the first day and they don't, don't uh, there isn't the uh, facility there for them to return then there's no fan interest so yeah anything that keeps fans coming back to the stages that's that's the best thing and we've seen sure. it in at new england forest rally that you know having travis and ken um you know together at the same event we could really see the difference of the fan base that was at the rally and watching travis pastrana he was there. Uh, he was trying to be right there with uh, David, but once you got to the longer stages of South Arm and Icicle Brook, um, he did say he had some dust issues to deal with as well. But you know, he was saying that just the the, the pace that David and Craig put on was just phenomenal. Mm. Um, I, I guess is it one of those where kind of like you were saying, Greg, earlier, is that. When you get to that long stage, you know that's where you can really put on the push and just create that gap and then manage it. Yeah, I believe so. There's there's also a, a thing that you know some of the teams and drivers and co-drivers do. They pick a stage or two of the event, and if they know that the other drivers that they go on against them, they're not really particularly like that stage, and you know they don't always do good on that stage that's the stage that the other team is going to focus on. So they're going to ah, do the Look for the weaknesses. Ah. Yes, exactly. And that's where you hit. And that's exactly what happened at New England is where David and Craig were able to kind of bring everything they got to basically one stage and put 40 seconds on Travis and, and Robbie. Oh. Yeah, well, now 20 seconds of that was, uh, uh, Travis said he uh, blew through a junction and had to turn around and come back. Uh, he missed, totally missed it in the in the dust. That's still a twenty second gap on one stage, which is huge. So right. <laughs> on, on a on a sixteen on a sixteen miler stage, so you know, yeah. or thirteen miler stage. Yeah, it's it's big. That's, that's just that's just <laughs> massive. <laughs> that's breathtaking. Oh, yeah, that's a cool yeah. piece of insight. No, I never thought about that. I thought about it that way. So there you go. Now you need to uh, talk to your driver when you go to Ojibwe there uh, <laughs> and uh, see which stage you're going to want to try and dominate over your competitors. <laughs> see who you're closest with and say, yeah. I think they're not going to be as good on that one. Mm. There you go. And we we talked about it on the Concapon, the, the uh, prize money for winning Concapon for regional guys, right? This is kind of like the in, in, uh, thing that you got the regional guys going for. So I'm sure you know some of them were like, "Okay, I have to go because there's 300 bucks waiting for me at the finish." That's true. That's true. I love that Team O'Neill was doing this thing. Uh, so that it was basically you had a one-two-three. If whoever won the first in, in was his only normal aspirated four, open two-wheel drive and limited two-wheel drive, um, and you had to be entered as regional only, not dual entered, not national. Anyways, of those guys, uh, the winner got 400 bucks, 200 bucks, 100 bucks, or something like that for the one stage. Then on the next day, there was more winnings for winning the whole regional event day for the New Hampshire rally, which was the Saturday day event. So dollars going out to these regional guys, not huge amounts of dollars, but hey, 500 bucks here, 400 bucks there. 
Um, do we think we need to see more of these little uh, dollar winnings for these regional guys? Oh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. A uh, case in point is like uh, the guy that I co-driven for the past, uh, just over the past year, uh, Bill Marenic. Um, he, he's, uh, taken a year, he's taken this year off and he's got, he's built himself a, uh, dirt track lake model and he had his first, uh, race meeting, uh, the other weekend. Yeah. And he, even though he only finished midfield in the, in the A main final, he still came away. He still came away with money, you know, it's, uh, and any little bit helps. I mean, rally is an expensive sport. I mean, you can go out there and you can write your car off any day or, or you can break your suspension, anything. You've got to find the money to make the repair to go out there the next time. And anywhere you can get some some money to help offset anything, even if it's or even tires, you know, it all costs money. And if uh, if you can get some cash from somewhere from the event to help further further your progress in any championships then it's no bad thing i i don't disagree i mean i'd love to see more of this kind of thing myself as well um you know i know that you know 200 bucks isn't gonna hardly pay for maybe more than one tire mm -hmm. but i think you're right just uh just this little bit i think shows uh that that they can at least get something um and it's interesting just having this focus being just on the regional guys too they seem to be so jazzed about this thing there's a whole bunch of stuff on the uh north american rally updates uh, uh page you know, you know the facebook group uh, of folks wanting to create their own pool and you know for folks to compete against each other yeah. I, i'm all for it yeah. um a, a little sub championship i guess that has some sort of payout yeah. uh, i I think it's just a great, great thing. Yeah, and then you look at somebody like uh, TJ Pullen, uh, Pullen Away Race Team. Um, he's found himself in the um, a, a position he didn't expect to be in, hasn't he? He's um, challenging for is it the East Regional title? And yeah, he, yeah and he is he wasn't expecting to be in that position, so he didn't budget in his season to go to a jibway where he could like end up winning the winning the title so he's set up they've set up crowdfunding to raise the money to go to a jubway i think he's i think he's got some $1500 raised online so people are financing clubbing together and financing to get him to go out there you know where you know if there was extra money for these guys at the regional events that were it's not going to pay to go to a jibway but it's going to mean that you have have to find less to make the trip competing in a championship is hard you mm -hmm. know it's going to be expensive it's going to be difficult to do but yeah. uh you know it's great to see that uh the excitement of a regional championship for him you know is mm -hmm. enough to for him to try and take that next step to try and pull together those extra funds Crowdsourcing is always tough because if everybody does it, then it's going to be a, yeah. a limited pool of, mm -hmm. uh, of funds to get from, to be, to yeah. be honest. You know, the, the reality is you want to try and get uh, sponsors or things like that to obviously spend for, uh, pay for some of that stuff. But that could come in time yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they've got a great team, that uh, pulling away rally team. It, one thing that really got me is on the Saturday at New England, they did an entire engine change in one hour. Now, Greg, that's a struggle even for Subaru to do, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's doable for our guys to do a one-hour engine change, but uh, yeah, there, there could be there could be a lot of uh, tripping over each other. Um, usually, when you know when the engine change happen, and you know it doesn't happen in, anymore during ARA events, uh, but we you know we used to do it in in Rally America. Um, it's usually overnight, um, so yeah, there's usually no no rush. But you know, there 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 are, for example, um, uh, gearbox changes that are within you know 17 minutes and 19 minutes. So that's, that's very very impressive to see uh, you know a, a regional team to do an engine change in an hour. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I um, look forward to seeing them definitely at Ojibwe. I think they said that they definitely. They've got the funds, I think, to get there. They've just got some uh, work on the car they got to finish up with the time that's available that they got to hurry up and get done. So, And, of course, you know, there's the seasoned folks out there, but there's also new people that are always competing out there. Uh, one of the ones I just want to give a quick shout-out to was the Iron Oxide Racing team, uh, Elizabeth Moen and Jordan Mellum. Uh, I listened to uh, some uh, friends of mine that are part of the Auto Off Topic uh, podcast. They're from up there in the Northeast, um, that's kind of their home rally is New England. It was these folks' uh, first ever stage rally, and it was it, it was pretty cool to see them out there for the first time in a little VW Golf they got that was already rally prepped from Canada, but they had to they bought it just this last winter, worked on it all spring, did a couple of rally sprints, broke things you know fixed things that broke, and did their first ever stage rally and. Um, uh, one of the great stories that came out of that, and I suggest everybody listen to that podcast because it's pretty cool, is like the uh, the girl that's the driver, she, her dad was out at the rally and for the first time seeing her compete, and she slides the car and backs it into a uh, telephone pole uh, right in front of him. <laughs> 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 hey, Dad! <laughs> So I, I thought that was kind of funny. You know, the, the stories that come out from rallies, they're just always awesome. But uh, they still finished. Uh, not not uh, too much trouble after that, I don't think. Uh, they had some other little things. I think some electrical stuff they ended up having to get fixed. But uh, but they still ended up finishing, and that's always the big deal, as we thought, we always talk about. But any final uh, thoughts on New England, folks? Always hot. Yes. Yes, it is always hot. <laughs> you guys were there. I'll have to take your word for it. Maybe, maybe one day, maybe next year, I'll I'll get out there. Well, let's uh, hammer on through real quick. Uh, WRC Finland. We're not going to go over any results stuff uh, per se, but there was definitely some interesting things that came out of there that I do want to discuss before we, because some of it even is is similar to what issues that we have here with stage rally in the U.S. Uh, most notably was that. With WC Finland, they changed the roads quite a bit. And one of the reasons why they could change that is because of the cars going faster, they wanted to keep below an 80-mile-per-hour average limit. Um, we saw that there were chicanes at New England. There's chicanes that we had at Oregon Trail. Um, nobody liked chicanes. New, uh, they had them last year in Finland. So they changed the route to use roads that were... Uh, not what we're used to seeing. Not mm -hmm. as big jumps and super fast speeds. Thoughts on whether 80 miles per hour limit actually makes things safer? Well, uh, it's not the going fast that causes the damage, is it? It's, it's stopping. 
it's the stopping that causes the d- damage so i mean 80 miles an hour is now i don't know it is is 80 miles an hour average too fast or is it too start I, I think that we're that the the organizers are beholden to bean counters in insurance companies and they've made that decision and it needs to be proved to people who insure events that faster speeds can be safer i i i agree i i guess it's it is a lot of it is with the insurance companies and it, that might be not so much with um, europe um but especially here in the U.S. Um, with WRC, I, yeah, I, I, I think with so much aero on these cars right now and, and how, how they handle and, and how fast they are, this has to be some other limitations, right? And if the road allows you to really fly on it literally, um, then, then, yeah, there's got to be some other ways to slow down the car. You guys know that the 2016 era car top speed was actually faster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it if, didn't have all the aero, it, right. the aero creates a lot of downforce and therefore more turbulence, and so its top speed actually wasn't the same. Acceleration is definitely better on the new car, right? Uh, the, it's those, I guess, the high speed corners that they can definitely do a heck of a lot faster on. Um, you know, maintaining that momentum through those corners with all that aero stuff for sure. In their new generation of these cars, they made the interior cabins a little bit larger, right? Mm-hmm. So they put more uh, space between the driver and the co-driver, and they beefed up uh, the doors. Yeah. Um, have a lot more um, mm-hmm. uh, safety features in those. Um, I, there's all kinds of stuff that I that I've heard they've done to increase the safety of the you know the safety cell, I guess you call it, of the driver and co-driver area, and yet they keep still wanting to slow the cars down. And it's just something that, to me, it's like, well, we've done these steps that makes them safer that they can go fast. Why do you keep trying to limit that then? Because, you know, the safety stuff's been done now. Um, obviously, you don't want to test the limits too much, but we've seen yeah. Yeah. You know, what can happen in a, in a high-speed crash. And for the most part, folks have been okay from those. Yeah, yeah perhaps, perhaps right from the start, they... They compared them too much to Group B. You know, this was the new Group B. And what's that, what most people think about with Group B is is how many people got killed in that era. You know, so it's like maybe we're living a little bit on the image that was created beforehand. Yeah, I mean, the safety was definitely different uh, back then. Yeah. I, I, I had a, a privilege of riding in a group Audi Group B car. Oh. And you know, oh. the amount of uh, yeah, <laughs> and the amount of uh, um, roll cages you know around you is a, it was a lot less than mm-hmm. um, than you know what we have even now here in the U.S. In, in roll cages. But it was a Bruno Kreibisch. I don't know if you if that name tells you anything. Bruno Kreibisch was a John Buffum's teammate back ah. in the <laughs> date um, of uh, you know Audi team here in the U.S. Um, I believe from 83 to 87 or somewhere around there. Um, and the two of those cars luckily were in Queens, New York. And, you know, one of them were in the, was in the hill climb kind of asphalt setup, And I was able to get a ride in it. 
Wow, that's that that that's that's mega. <laughs> that's cool. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you're right. Um, we have all these other safety features now that are different. If the image is like, yes, we've gotten back to Group B as far as performance. Well, that's fine, but that's only on the performance side, maybe not the danger side. And mm. we also have to think back the Group B era. A lot of it wasn't just the drivers that were getting killed; it was spectators. Yeah, they managed spectators differently. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think the the excitement part from group B is great. The, you know, all the danger of it is not so great. So we got to be careful on how we, uh, I guess, uh, uh, apply that image to the modern era cars for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head Ian. it's, it's definitely because of insurance companies. I think they're looking for metrics. Mm -hmm. They need some sort of number or something that they can, they can use to, quantify safety i know uh, th it's three three or four years well maybe two or three years with uh, no serious accidents and injuries then we'll probably uh the insurance people will probably change their metrics a little bit and uh they can they'll see their way to raising the speed limit the average have speed you ever seen an insurance company ever do that come on <laughs> hey well yeah I try, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying, trying for the Optimistic. good of the sport here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Optimism, <laughs> optimism. All right. So, um, continuing on with uh, WC Finland. Uh, well, you put it here at Tanak. Tanak put on a clinic, didn't he? He was. He was. He was in another world. I mean, everybody. Everybody said, didn't they? When when they would interview drivers at the end of the stage, the. the they they would make a comment about their performance, and then they would all, nearly everybody said, "Well, Tanak's on another planet. He was he was so in in his zone that that weekend. Everything must have been in slow motion for him because he was just like so centered, so focused, and he was just totally a, a totally different driver to everybody else. It was it was it was fantastic to watch. Definitely Great. fantastic. Yeah. Now I. I've had a, a chance to see Oit at Rally Poland um, a year ago, and uh, unfortunately, it was the event where you know he crashed out, uh, you know, two stages from the end, leading the rally. But even there, you know, you can really see a guy that you know could definitely be the next world rally champion. So obviously he's melded well with this Toyota team. He's melded well with the car. What does this say about the future of Yari Matty Latvala then? Well, I I can tell you a, a comment that Chris Atkinson made at um, I believe it was in Oregon is where you know when you're building a new car and you're using a certain driver to kind of build a car around him and build a car for him sort of like super rally team usa built a rally car for david higgins and build it around him you know when chris jumps into it it's going to take him a while to figure out what he needs to change to adapt for his driving style and i think yari might have that difficulty um you know <laughs> adapting or, or changing these things to make that car work for him as it is working for Oit. But he's been in the team since its inception, though. That's what makes it a little bit harder to understand. You'd think they would have built it more around him. But then again, the car was developed initially 
uh, prior to him, I guess, with uh, a lot of test driving, right, being done by uh, Juho Hananen. Younger, younger drivers, um, you know, uh, faster, adaptable, um, you know. Oh, that's a good point. To, that's, that's another kind of uh, uh, segue to uh, to uh, Subaru. Um, our engineer uh, for Rallycross team, Michael Zotos, worked on a lot of those aerodynamic um, parts on that Toyota uh, that they use in WRC. Oh, wow. Okay, well... Um... Could that be why we see uh, a lot more little fins and things like that on the rallycross car? Yeah, and and you mentioned the downforce. We've uh, had not a problem, but you know we were trying to figure this out last week in at, uh, at the Canadian ARX event, where the, the long straightaway where you're almost reaching the max speed of the car. You know we were definitely seeing that 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 um, drag creating with the spoiler and, and all the, you know, square different body panels um, was creating a problem. And we had to tape up the vents, that, the new vents that's on top of the roof. And uh, on Patrick Sandell's actually um, rallycross car, you can probably see it when it's on TV or if you watched it live. Uh, we cut down the center portion of the spoiler to kind of reduce the drag. <laughs> some just quick uh, on-site uh, adjustments to do uh, drag reduction. Well, I mean, that makes sense. If you're going to be able to hit the top speed of that car, that's going to change quite a bit when it, when you've got uh, all that drag on there. So, yeah, if you can lessen that in those high-speed sections um, without affecting, you know, too much the, the rest of the, uh, how it acts in the rest of the course, that's, yeah, definitely beneficial. Um, that's cool though. You guys got uh, one of the Toyota guys that uh, over on your team. That's, that's cool. we should have two of the Toyota guys on now on the team, and both are Greek. Uh, My- Michael uh, Zotos is is the one of the main engineers on the team, and there's a younger engineer that was actually at New England Forest Rally, um, Stefanos. Uh, he he's uh, you know sort of our new up, up and coming rally engineer. One of the cars that we've seen have a lot of engineering issues. Um, over the last couple of years as a 2017 spec has been the uh, Citroen team. And Mads Osberg got to, you know, jump in the seat to replace Chris Meek. Um, he's there for the rest of the season. They made a pretty dip, big change, uh, adjusting the entire, uh, I guess, the the front geometry, or was it the, uh, it's a wider track at the front, is what they said, mm-hmm. is how they put it. So basically it's a, that would affect steering angles and all that stuff, right? So um, making the car, I think, a little bit easier to drive, yeah. maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and affecting the balance, obviously, quite a bit uh, through the corners mm-hmm. and uh, the stability for sure. And yeah. Mads obviously felt comfortable in that change right away. Yeah, for sure he did. Yeah. I was not expecting. I, mm-hmm. I do a little bit of fantasy WRC stuff, and Mads Osberg was not in my top five. Mm-hmm. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It, it's good to see him, him back. Is is you know obviously, you know we all love Chris Meek, you know because he's kind of like, you know, a Steve Arpin of of WRC. You know, this guy mm-hmm. that's lovable and, and and everyone likes him, but you know, Mass is sort of like a the goofy one, and and he definitely put up a show, and and I. You know, it wasn't it wasn't much that he was uh, you know missing from Oita. You know, obviously Oit was another level, but um, mm-hmm. you know, at some stages that there was 
it was pretty close yeah matt was matt was well and truly happy you know I, you'd see his little uh videos that he did at the end of the day and he would he would always be happy and smiling and cheerful so he really was having a heck of a good time yeah yeah i don't think i've seen him that happy at a rally in a mm-hmm. long long time yeah and uh obviously building that confidence uh affects your performance all the way down to that power stage and uh him ended up uh you know making sure that he solidified his uh second place on the podium i mean he just yeah what a great performance and uh what a great power stage too if you haven't watched the wrc plus it was that was a pretty fun one that was a good one to see everybody pushing it all the way to the very end for sure one of the teams though that didn't get everybody to push to the limit because good old team orders uh came into play uh was the m sport team (sighs) thoughts on team orders i mean it it makes sense to me here's my thoughts Mm If Elfin Evans had performed better earlier in the season to where he was right up there with a chance, then team orders wouldn't be a thing. So he kind of put himself in that position, in my thought. Well, I don't know. He's like uh, the um, first first choice is Ogier. You know, if no matter whether... Well, well Evans would have to have been doing like really, really well to have team orders working on his behalf but the the thing was but ford were perfectly placed they had their cars running fourth fifth and sixth so they could play with that that running order willy-nilly i mean newville was back in ninth and padden was third four well, where was padden was padden third no he wasn't on the podium no he wasn't so padden fourth yeah fourth so for ford were running fifth sixth and seventh um, so, but Hyundai were running fourth and ninth. So, you know, they couldn't even have implemented. I'm sure they would have loved to impl- employ team orders so they could have got more points for Newville, but they weren't in the position to do it. So, I mean, Ford were running with their cars consecutively. So, I mean, I didn't really have any problem with it. It's it's all about making o, get, getting Ogier the maximum points to to defend his uh, his title. So it's always difficult, in my opinion, with team orders because mm-hmm. that creates sort of um, you know a sour atmosphere inside the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always think about when I hear team orders. I always think about 1995 and the fight for the championship between. Colin McRae and Carlos mm-hmm. Sainz, you know, it, it never ended well, you know, for, so for the whole team. So yeah, it's, it's tough. And um, maybe in the situation wasn't so bad because of the positions were, you know, so much lower in the top 10, but um, you know, again, it's tough to, to be in a situation where you have to be the guy to slow down and let your teammate go by. Yeah. It's, it's sooner than that. I feel the worst for because it was his home rally you know and he's having to bow to bow down to um other driver to uh to ogier so i kind of like feel sorry you could tell looking at him he was really disappointed but uh 
Now it is what it is. So uh, one other thing on the M Sport team is we noticed a few extra bits that were on the M Sport car of uh, Sebastian Ogier. None of the rest of the team had those bits on their car because I guess they didn't have enough spare parts, knowing how many would be lost probably out on the stages. It looked a little bit more like some of the bits that they have on uh, uh, on the Toyotas, really, to, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, some like the little louvered stuff that they had over the rear wheel arches and yeah. stuff like that to <laughs> direct airflow. Um, I think it was it was you, Ian, that posted uh, that they have a little bit of an article of how they wind tunnel tested this thing. Uh, was it back here in the States? Yeah, that, it's, an, it's an example of uh, Ford Performance getting involved now, isn't it? That uh, Ford Performance opened up their big old uh, wind tunnel for for testing. So I'm I'm a little bit shocked that um, after after this bout of wind tunnel testing, they made these new parts and tested them in the in the heat of competition. I'm sure that. Uh, Ogier would have probably liked liked a few more hours on pra- using them on on a test stage somewhere rather than to be jumping in in the heat of competition to test these out. And you could tell he um, at the end of a couple of stages, he they they asked him if he wished he'd had the old aero package, and he kind of like said no comment. So he was kind of. I think he would rather have uh, had a bit more, a bit more, a bit more of an opportunity to try these out. I, I'm really interested to see what their decision is going to be for uh, Rally uh, Germany, mm-hmm. because um, you know, with the experience that the Ford Performance engineers from. Uh, charlotte north carolina have you know on the asphalt maybe that's that would work out better for for mm-hmm. that event yeah i don't know i don't know really uh, it, it looked like it didn't really work out for him well and you know they did those tests and i believe in early april in the wind tunnel so you know it's a little gap from the time that they actually say okay this is the package that we're gonna you know present to fia to to get approved you know, I, I'm starting to be a little concerned here that we're getting near some of the limits of what the Fiesta can do versus some of the competition. Um, but then again, seeing the you know the fact that Ford Performance is starting to help out with things like this, maybe there is another life left in the in the Fiesta because that's one thing that I always felt what was unfortunate for M Sport is you know before the new regulations and them having an opportunity, in my opinion, I think that was their best opportunity uh, for a long time to win a championship was because they were having a chance to get the rules right until, you know, it's kind of like F1 in that respect, right? You get these, you have a regulation in place, those teams with all the money, (laughs) and I mean all the money, right? If they get all that funding behind them, they can keep finding all those little improvements that are only 1% here and 1% there, but it all adds up. Uh, and ends up creating some domination. And I'm a little concerned that, you know, M Sport trying to keep up with the more heavily funded teams for sure. But uh, th- this provides some hope with uh, the Ford performance backing and, and doing some wind tunnel stuff. And if there's any place that Arrow's going to make probably the biggest difference, it's going to be on the tarmac for mm-hmm. sure. So, yeah. Uh, excited to see that. 
Hey, not that long ago, you know, we were talking about Citroen, you know, being, you know, just like of a underdog and stuff, and look what happened in Finland. You know, you never know. I think that um, M Sport with the guys, they can they can turn around, and that championship is still pretty open. That's a very good point. Um, and then, of course, there's the guys uh, there in Hyundai. Uh, I must say, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I I couldn't feel better for how good a performance that Patton put in. Mm-hmm. Um, other than him maybe being on the podium, which would have been even better, I guess. But Hayden Patton has had the short end of the stick, I think, with that team for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, he's had some unfortunate things happen to him. Some his fault, some not. I really think he is someone that could be, you know, a, a future contender. He finally got to show what he's capable of. They have a strong team, but maybe maybe too strong. Yeah, well, maybe exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, they've got such a strong group of uh, of drivers. How do you decide when everybody's? Uh, I think almost everybody, except for maybe Thierry's, uh, contract is up at the end of the year. You never know. It could be like the Ricardo leaving Red Bull and going for Renault. You know, it could be something happening at the end of the year. You know, if nothing else. This makes another team, maybe a Citroen, maybe a uh, you know somebody else that uh, thinks that you know what, maybe we need Patton over on our side. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think he is worthy of a full time ride for sure, instead of doing this part time garbage. So, all right, uh, wrapping up our little bit of Finland, you want to talk about uh, artificial jumps, huh? Oh God, I hated, I hated that final jump at Ruimaki. It was dreadful. I mean, it was just like, you know, the organisers had decided that, oh, we don't have a big, we don't have the big jump at Unimpoya. Um, so uh, what are we going to do? Oh, let's make a big jump right at the very end. And we'll put, we'll put seats around it and we'll make a big spectacle of it. No, that's not rally. You know, this is Rick, this, this spectacle this debacle that they put on at the end of ruin Marky was ricky michael ama supercross rubbish i mean why didn't they have the guys what the drivers wind their windows down and wave in midair you know that wasn't rally i hated it i mean i mean i know people like to see long jumps but it's not rally i'd much rather watch a car navigate a, a navigate a section of curves you know watch the lines in and out of the apexes of the curves this was this was just nothing for me it was just totally created for television with the drone cameras watching everything and well it was just off I'm, I'm sure the tv the tv production crew thought it was great when the uh, rear rear wing fell off uh, ogier's car I thought, oh, I bet they thought, wow, what great television. This is going to pull people into what? Well, to be fair, to be fair, he shredded that in the previous uh, mm-hmm. left-hander where yeah. he went too wide and dug it into the into the uh, dirt bank. So yeah, but it still... that was going to come off on a long straight, let yeah. alone a jump. But it fell off on the jump, and that was that was the okay, important thing. But, you know, I, I, really, <laughs> I really didn't like the artificial jump there at all, and if rally is going to go that way then that's a bad thing uh strong opinion there uh, Ian. uh... <laughs> hey it's, get, it's getting late i've not got much sleep <laughs> <laughs> um it must be the podium beer oh the... <laughs> that's right um well the only one thing i i i have to 
say is SDPR waste management stage, we have a jump like that. You know, not of course not as big as it was in Finland, but it was also you know man-made and it wasn't there in the original running of the stage. So it it brings it, it brings people to that one spot, a lot of people to that one spot, and um, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, and especially in in US, where it's really tough uh, to get people out to the stages and and get them out and, and and explore and kind of like you know can I get in here and can I get in there? Kind of read the map. They really have to have a st- kind of clear direction. Go here, you're gonna see a car flying, and and people will enjoy it. Yeah, you you may not agree not agree with it but I, I guess it brings people into the rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I didn't mind about this, I like that they had the flying finish was before the jump. It, I, I thought that was kind of cool because it kind of, you know, kind of got people to start pushing for it instead of somebody kind of going weak over the darn thing. Um, it does make it exciting. Is it for TV and for spectators? Yes, it is. Uh, do you like sponsors? Great. Guess what? Sponsors usually pay for uh, being out there to that kind of thing. And something, Ian, you have actually agreed on in the past is mm-hmm. um, that promotion is good for rally. And the more promotion, the more sponsors actually brings down costs in yep. the end for mm-hmm. events. Absolutely. And things like this are things you can promote. Mm-hmm. And from that promotion comes sponsors and all the rest of it. So... Uh, as much as I understand your frustration of it being a quote-unquote fake jump, okay, maybe it wasn't built the right way uh, to, to make it look, maybe it looked a little hokey, but jumps I don't think are a bad thing if they're not made dangerous. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we saw where jumps can cause damage and things like that. This was not one of those. Yeah. Um, it was. It seemed like it was built right as far as the structure of it. Oh yeah, there was probably a lot of technical engineering. The setting of it wasn't very pretty. I'll give yeah. you that. Mm-hmm. Um, the waste management jump, jump that uh, Greg talked about. Um, that's still kind of actually in an area where there's trees in the background and whatnot, and mm-hmm. it looked okay. Yep. This looked like it was uh, Ruamaki. Uh, um, it looked like it was kind of in an area where there was like a gravel pit or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. It wasn't the prettiest location for one, mm-hmm. but I, other than that, I had no issues with yeah, it. See, I, I was totally I, fine. I'm, I have no problem with jumps in a natural, natural location, but this one was just too artificial and they'd probably have so to you built a fake jump on, on in the, in the forested part and still allowed people to watch it. That no, would be okay. No, don't build a fake jump. Take the natural contours and the lie of the land. If there isn't a jump there, then there isn't a jump there. But, I mean, people will come to a jump. You know, if there's a jump... Well, no, not not when you've got private land and you mm-hmm. can't get people there. Well, yeah. So there's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is you've got to have ingress and egress out access to these locations. Yeah. As an organizer, that's one thing you have to think about. Mm-hmm. So it goes beyond just just the fact that, you know, find where the cool natural jump is and somehow just magically get people teleported there. there there's a lot more to it than that. Well, so, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I, I see your point as well. I see your point as well. So, yes, next event, Germany. Go to Tarmac. Well, I think Newville is definitely going to be one of the greats on that one. My money is on Danny Sorda. Oh, yeah. mm. see him get a win. That would be that would be really cool. He's ah, he's made a couple of mistakes the last couple of years, it seems, uh, out uh, there in Germany. But mm. 
let's hope it uh, yeah, I hope it goes well for the old guy. We had just a couple other uh, little bits of rally news, um, but I'm going to skip most of those, and I think uh, we should talk about the uh, America's Rallycross and World Rallycross stuff. Uh, uh, so you were up there in uh, Trois-Rivières, Greg? Yes, I call it Three Rivers because my tongue doesn't do that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I cannot pronounce half of the Polish names of some of the drivers that we drivers and co-drivers we see, so uh, touche. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My my friend Kayetan Kayetanovic is gonna be uh, in in Germany in the WRC two car. He was just testing uh, on Sunday right before the event. But quickly uh, to ARX, uh, great track. Um, the the length of it it was I think pretty perfect to the setup. It's probably the closest to a proper rallycross track that we have in in North America. Uh, whatever they are trying to do in Austin. It doesn't really work. Working, it's not really working out. Even though they had, you know, Peter Solberg involved in building that track. Uh, in my opinion, that uh, track in Three Rivers is a lot better. Um, still, a big, big difference from uh, you know our our American supercars and uh, the World RX supercars. Um, just the way they handle and, you know, they're a lot mm -hmm. shorter and it's just, yeah, it's, it's another level <laughs> for sure. They yeah. were, they're about no. 1.7 seconds faster a lap um, than, than our cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Per lap. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a little harder. It well what I really liked seeing out there was of course um, you have uh, Ken Block with um, Ken Block out there with, Gosh, I'm losing his name. Steve Arpin. Steve Arpin, thank you. I love Steve. He's a great guy. He's really fun. Um, just getting late in the evening, as you guys are saying. Mm. Anyway, so I love that we have Ken Block and Steve Arpin out there in the in the Ford Focus RSRXs because that's at least of a same scale of car as the Subarus. And yeah. you saw some yeah. great competition between Patrick Sandell and Ken Block there really kind of uh getting close and 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 also with Steve Arpin uh you know being one upped uh at times. So here we have at least a platform that is of similar size. I think the VW guys need to be forced to change to a Jetta. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> because yeah. they have that shorter wheelbase that, you know, basically like yeah. the Fiesta uh, uh, previously had. Yeah. Um I actually looked it up. The current WRXs uh, have this almost the same wheelbase as my 2005 Subaru Outback. Yeah, it's it's, it's a within big car. like two inches. It's big, it's big, right? Whereas the previous uh, WRXs from that era of 2005, you know, the Bug Eyes and the Hawkeyes and all that stuff, was 98 inches, which is pretty much right at where you've got for the um, Volkswagen Beetles. So it's it's hard to have competition close when the cars aren't that close in their design and i think that's where i like seeing that focus out there um, which is a similar size and so i think I, obviously andretti's autosport's been great they're they're a huge promoter they're a huge uh, you know they've moved along to this arx and, and helping with that move to to arx with subaru um, we like the ghost guys. We love those guys, right? But we'd really like them to have a similar platform. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, you know, having the same guy when, you know, event after event after event, it, it doesn't really help the series either. Um, you know, we we have 
a lot of great guys, great engineers working on it. Um, and, you know, as you can see, yeah, as you mentioned, the gap has, you know, uh, it's been shrinking. So little by little, maybe I'll get there. Well, hoping so. Definitely hoping so. Um, that, that was definitely, a, a, like you said, that, that track is my favorite in uh in north america you've got the elevation change bit i guess as they kind of dive down to the dirt area from uh being on the tarmac you have a long tarmac section that's more like a drag race it's got a little bit of everything in there um and i, I uh, you know i like the format i really like the world rallycross format and how they do it maybe if we could add a few more laps maybe to make higher management uh, a thing at the end would probably be a little more interesting uh, for the final, but also you're trying to fit within a time scale of TV. And... Fuel, fuel also, you know, it's, it's a, it's a longer track saying so those cars barely carry fuel enough for, you know, eight, eight laps max probably at this time. Right, right. Okay. That makes sense too. Um, but I, I like the length of track though. I, I want the tracks to yeah. be, you know, about a mile long instead of, 0.6 or whatever it is that is just too short and too tight yeah most of the european rallycross tracks are you know longer like that you know i think that one of the shortest tracks is in portugal um but it still has so many turns in it and it, it has a long straight straightaway too so yeah most of the tracks are very similar to uh what it is in three rivers and i think the drivers really enjoyed um being in and i think the arx drivers really enjoyed a new format um you know from the previous championship so it's good so, so we also had uh the world rx was competing there not just arx and uh something that was competed in both of those series by young connor martell yeah <laughs> you know uh i've said it yes you know last year we i had a chance to co-drive for connor in um toll points rally in in big white and uh you know he showed great speed and 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 an awesome performance there and he's a very very talented driver you know he's coming from a supercross motocross background um did really really fantastic job won the double header in arx was second running in the final uh in the world rx too uh and you know unfortunately Going for the pass for the uh, for the lead, hit a tire wall and uh, uh, and broke control on. But otherwise, it was it was great. Yeah, he definitely uh, seemed to dominate uh, in the ARX uh, side of it. Um, you know, came out these what I think three for three events, uh, winning. So uh, in the ARX two, I should say. You know, in the uh, in the sport series, uh, it's it's probably not too much longer before uh, he graduates into the bigger car with. Uh, with the performance that he's been showing, which is really great to see. And of course we've seen him in stage rally cars now, and uh, he's enjoying that quite a bit as well. That, that kid's got a, a hell of a future ahead of him. Well, it was a great event. Um, I know the America's rally cross, you can watch all of that on YouTube or uh, should be coming up on uh, CBS sports. I believe we'll be showing that uh, at some point in the next week or so. Uh, there's a bit of a delay. Uh, I think before those things actually come on the TV, um, but <clears throat> you do have that, uh, like I said, you can just stream it on YouTube. Uh, World RX, that is only on CBS because it is geo-blocked for U.S. viewers. Um, if you wanted to stream it, I think there's a pay service or something like that. But uh, you can wait for that to come up on CBS Sports if you have that in your cable package, of course. Um, 
I think that about wraps it up. We've talked about literally everything over the last few weeks. We see we had a lot to catch up on. I feel like this was like three shows. <laughs> yeah. We just we just got a lot of a lot to say. There's a lot that happened, you know. Uh, but yeah. you know, I guess that's rally. There's always a story. Uh, there's always something going on. Uh, if I had a chance to do three shows a week, I could probably narrow it down. <laughs> I hear you there. You know, I had the privilege of of running my own show. It was called Raleigh Notes, and um, you know, it was like a first and up and coming, you know, live YouTube thing. And it was like five years ago, and I was had a chance to be like on the real studio in Manhattan. And it was only half hour, and it was really really tight to like get through everything in this thirty minute block. So I know where you, I don't know where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, thirty minutes. It's it's. You could barely get a guest on the show uh, and get anything out of them. All right, quick highlights. Okay, next. Commercial. Now done. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely tough stuff, but that's the nice thing about a podcast. Uh, we can make it as long or as short as we want, and, you know, folks can hit pause, can stop it, play it back later. Greg Dorman, thank you so much for being on the show. Any final words, uh, you and Ian? I, again, once again, thank you very much for having me. It was a little pleasure. Uh, thank you, Ian. Yeah, appreciate okay. it. Oh, you're welcome. No, it's like, um, are you coming up to uh, Ojibwe? I don't know yet. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe a surprise visit. All oh, right. Well, I shall. Well, well, we'll be looking out for you. I'll be looking out for Mike, anyways. Uh, but yeah, getting um, it's what is it? Two weeks to Ojibwe. Getting excited for that now for me. So I'm going to have well, to buckle just down. About now you should start uh, prepping notes. Uh, time to start uh, get, get, getting your getting your stuff going, your recce plan, all that, right? Absolutely. Yep. Um. Well, I'm going to bed now, but I'll be working on that tomorrow. Good luck out there. Hey, thanks a lot. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this very long rally cast. A uh, lot of good stuff here. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Open Paddock. Uh, for Ian Holmes and our special guest presenter, Greg Dorman, I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good day.